Welcome to Making Connections, a WMMT series on diversifying our future. I'm your host, Mimi Pickering. Making Connections news stories focus on opportunities and challenges for building a thriving economy and healthy communities in the coalfields. One of the biggest challenges is the failure of the state of Kentucky to properly invest in our people and our places due to an inadequate tax system that has led to repeated budget cuts. In this episode, I'm speaking with Jason Bailey from the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy about these state tax and budget issues. According to its mission statement, the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy, or KSEP, seeks to improve the quality of life for all Kentuckians through research, analysis, and education on important policy issues facing the Commonwealth. Jason Bailey is founder and executive director. Jason's comments appear frequently in the news media, and he's a regular speaker to civic organizations on the critical economic and fiscal issues facing Kentucky. He served on the Governor's Blue Ribbon Commission on Tax Reform and the Kentucky Teachers Retirement System Funding Work Group. Although the Bevan administration claims Kentucky is experiencing an economic revival, KSEP's analysis of the state economy indicates otherwise. I asked Jason to describe what KSEP's research shows. I mean, we are in one of the longest economic recoveries on record um, in terms of the country, and Kentucky has certainly benefited to some extent from that. Things are better overall than they were in the pit of the Great Recession in 2010 or 2011, but... um, We haven't fully recovered, and the recovery that we've had has tended to be more in the metro areas, in the Golden Triangle, Lexington, Louisville, uh, Northern Kentucky, Bowling Green area have been where most of the job growth has been. Uh, Rural Kentucky really has not recovered its jobs at all. Um, There are many counties in Kentucky that have 20 to 30 percent fewer jobs than they had before the recession hit. Um, And... It's also the case that when it comes to job quality, um, many of the jobs that uh, are being created um, don't necessarily pay enough for folks to live on, and we're still not seeing wage growth uh, in the economy as a whole. So if we are having um, some uh, recovery, at least in some places, is the state budget in better shape? The state budget is not in better shape. I mean, we are... um, we are looking at uh, when we come, the legislature meets again in January to create a new two-year budget, another round of cuts. In fact, prob- probably um, the biggest round we've seen so far. Um, so, uh, and there are a number of reasons for that. I mean, one is that the legislature passed some more tax cuts uh, this, this session. They gave a big tax cut to banks and other corporations uh, that basically got no public hearing and no scrutiny, and will result in a huge amount of lost revenue. Um, we also are trying to pay back underfunded pension plans, and that's sucking up uh, a lot of the new dollars that are generated uh, with growth in the economy are going to pensions instead of going to public services. Uh, and in general, we have a tax code that even if the economy were going gangbusters, it doesn't generate uh, the revenue to keep up because there are just too many holes. Um, the, the too many holes that have been poked in over the years um, for primarily for special interests of different kinds, and those just drain how much we have to collect. 
Where is it that um, you see hurt in Kentucky? Where is it that um, this lack of revenue or these cuts are mm-hmm. having an impact? Well, there's just there are so many core services of the state that have received round after round of budget cuts, and we have um, areas that have been cut from 15 to 50 percent at this point. And so, uh, the things that we need and count on and rely on. Um, the people aren't there in, off, in many cases to provide the services. A good example is in the area of public health, where Kentucky has a number of, frankly, public health crises. When you look at um, the opioid epidemic, when you look at hepatitis C, when you look at hepatitis A, um, that requires a front line of employees in public health departments that are out there getting people the vaccinations, that are out there dealing with um, people, helping people get treatment. Uh, and we've cut uh, about 1,000 health department employees uh, in, in the last decade through, through these rounds of budget cuts. There are about 700 more that are on slate to be cut, laid off uh, next year, according to the commissioner. And that has made those problems worse. I mean, the hepatitis A crisis, Kentucky has one-third of all hepatitis A deaths in the nation. And, you know, that's because we're not out there uh, stopping it when it happens. Uh, and, you know, when we have people, uh, cases of HIV, cases of, cases of hepatitis C, those are very expensive to treat, not to mention deadly in, in, in cases um, on the back end. They're not expensive to prevent on the front end, but we're taking those dollars out, and, and, that, and those are the kind of problems we see as a result. Do you think that the average sort of citizen and taxpayer in Kentucky is is starting to make connections here or or see the impact? I think so. I mean, I think that the teacher protests of last year and that really continue are about pensions, but also about cuts that we've seen in schools, about the general, the round after round of um, you know, lack of uh, raises, of, of services being cut um, that um, used to be available in, in many communities. Um, and I think that was an example of people being tired of what has ha- what's happening and what, what the impact is on the community. Um, I think we need, you know, there needs to be more of that. And there often isn't an understanding of where tax dollars go, you know, how... Um, what happens when we cut taxes uh, and the connection between the services that people rely on, the, the extent to which there's clean water coming out of the tap, extent to which the road you're driving on it doesn't have potholes, that those things are caused are, are a result of not having, um, having or not having the tax dollars there. So somewhat of a disconnect, but I do think there's more frustration uh, bubbling over that you see, saw with the teacher protests that may indicate um, you know, and, and the legislature had to had to put a little bit more money in education than they had originally planned to as a result of that. So when folks do get organized and they speak out, I think that the decision makers do have to respond. In this year's legislature, they provided a, a number of tax breaks mm-hmm. or tax cuts, particularly for banks. Mm-hmm. What's the economic rationale for that, or is there one? Well, there was a, a, rob, lob, an, a rationale that the lobbyists use, which was that we're losing our community banks 
and therefore we need to cut taxes on them. Uh, the reality is we are losing our community banks. We've been losing them for decades um, because of interstate banking deregulation, because of the concentration of wealth. Um, banking, just like every other sector, is being bought up by a few you know, large corporations, and that's no different in, um, in banking. It doesn't have to do with the state taxes. Um, and when they cut the tax, they actually eliminated a tax that was on banks that cost over, that raised over $100 million. It didn't just benefit a locally owned bank. Uh, it benefited every bank because they all paid it. So the bank with the most deposits in Kentucky is J.P. Morgan Chase. Well, J.P. Morgan Chase got an enormous windfall from that. Uh, so did Bank of America. Uh, and, and that's um, an unfortunate result of sort of lobbyists dictating public policy, getting talking to legislators behind closed doors, giving enormous amounts of money to campaign contributions. And there's a good reason that bill never had a public hearing, um, because they didn't want the truth of what it would actually do to be heard and debated in the, in the public uh, and, and would rather pass it on the very end of the session in, a, in, the, in, the, in the course of about a single day. So basically, there is no economic rationale, really. There is no, there is no rationale. And even Kentucky banks, Kentucky charter banks, are seeing record profits. Um, they're doing okay. And there are certainly well-known, I won't name any names, but well-known Kentucky millionaires who own Kentucky banks. <laughs> they're doing all right, you know, um, and they didn't need another tax cut, especially when you look at so many places where we need money in the budget, that that, um, you know, tens of millions, about net of about $50 million loss um, is going to come from. It's going to come from these public health needs. It's going to come from the schools um, and the social workers and, and the other things that we know we need. So it seems like for at least the last um, maybe 30 years, we've been um, operating under the uh, assumptions that tax cuts lead to growth and mm -hmm. better revenue for Kentucky. And um, is there any evidence of that? There isn't. I mean, that, that's been sort of the dominant, you know, trickle-down philosophy that if we give more tax breaks and tax cuts to wealthy people, corporations, that they will take that, um, take those monies and turn them into jobs. And it just, it hasn't been the case anywhere. Um, in fact, we've seen spectacular failures in other states of that, Kansas being the most recent example where they gave, again, huge tax cuts and, and said that it would be a shot of adrenaline to the heart of the economy, and it didn't happen. I mean, they had um, what they had was massive budget cuts and a court ruling that their schools, school funding was unconstitutional. And we've seen the same thing here. It's been sort of slower and, you know, one episode after another of, a new tax break or tax cut, uh, and they've added up to to what we have now. Uh, we have the third worst cut in public school funding in the in the, in the country over the last decade. Um, and so, what that does in terms of your economy is it undermines the foundation of growth, um, which are these institutions that keep people educated, get people healthy. Um, provide the infrastructure of a modern that a modern economy needs. 
Um, all those things are undermined when you have less revenue as a result. And the truth is that wealthy people and corporations, uh, when you give them a tax cut, they are more likely to just save that money, um, to give uh, dividends to their shareholders or do stock buybacks with their shareholders and not reinvest that in, in any sort of job creation. I guess the other thing we've heard is uh, that the Kentucky government is full of waste, fraud, and abuse. People argue that, you know, that they're inefficient or ineffective, and then, but when you give them even less money, sometimes it's even harder. It's harder to attract people. There's an exodus of state workers because they don't get raises. Um, some of the best and brightest leave, or they retire before they would really otherwise want to because they don't, aren't given the tools to do the job. Um, you know, we have situations in Kentucky where our jails are so overcrowded um, that, you know, there, there are real questions about um, whether there are human rights violations in place, uh, where the caseloads of public defenders are so high that, you know, people who arrested and can't afford an attorney, you know, are not really given fair representation. So you have people leaving the public defender bar because they can't, um, in good conscience, f f say that they're properly representing their, their clients. So I think that that's a myth. Um, it was, you know, in any large institution, there's always some ways you can tighten things up, but there's no question that we've seen cuts, budget cuts that have reduced and eliminated services uh, and reduced the quality of the services that we have. Yet in Eastern Kentucky, where, of course, we've lost the severance tax, which we shouldn't have been depending on in that way. But And there's a real infrastructure crisis going mm -hmm. on in Martin County, probably the strongest example, but it's really all over. And I wonder, what will, what will we do? Yeah, I mean, it used to be the case that there would be monies in the state budget for using coal severance and other resources for water and sewer system improvements. Um, it's just not possible to address those problems at a local level anymore in the in Eastern Kentucky. The the tax base isn't there. You know, it, it, the property tax revenues are way down. Um, some of those, some localities are taxing at very high levels in terms of their rate, but it just doesn't generate very much. So it just goes back to the state and the state's ability and willingness, the state has the ability to raise the revenue if you look at the economy as a whole. Um, what it doesn't have is the willingness to do that. Um, and I don't see another way. Um, I just think that the, the, the deficit is too big. You're, you're going to see that again in the school systems um, in eastern Kentucky not having the money um, next year. Uh, and basic local services are not fundable. Um, because of the collapse in the coal economy and then what was already not there even before that. Um, and we didn't mention what's happened with college tuition rates. How does Kentucky stack up with other states? Well, we we've have, it is one of the taxes that we've increased, uh, you know, to deal with this. Uh, some of the biggest cuts have been to higher education in terms of the state budget. We've cut about a third of the state funding that used to go in higher education is now gone. And so what the colleges and universities have done is, is raise tuition over and over and over again. Tuition is 
couple hundred percent higher than it was, you know, a few decades ago. And so that just translates into, um, well, for some people, um, an inability to go, an inability to finish their degree. Um, for other people, it's just more student loan debt um, that people carry with them the bulk of their lives. Uh, and that is, you know, a real drag, I think, on the economy as a whole when people don't aren't able to afford um, to start a business, to buy a home, uh, to save for their ret- own retirement or their children's college because they're still carrying these student loan uh, debt loads. That drags the whole economy down. But that's one, one of the many fallouts of just not having the revenue on the front end like we used to have to support a, an affordable uh, access to college for many We've always kind of been behind in the sense of not investing in in some of these things, and that you see it, you saw it in our education levels, um, that have always been, you know, uh, educational attainment has always been lower than Kentucky than in the rest of the country, um, and so we had some catching up to do. In 1990, we raised a lot of new revenue, about a billion dollars, that still didn't make us a high tax state, but did mean that we were. Um, committing to public education in a new way. And, you know, pretty much uh, within a few years after that is when we just started cutting taxes. Uh, You know, starting in the mid-90s, we just started eating away at that. And there's really been nothing since then that's been a revenue raiser. We've raised the tobacco tax a few times, but that doesn't really generate much in the way of revenue. And people are quitting smoking, which is a good thing. Um, So it doesn't really solve anything long-term. Uh, on the revenue side, uh, so but there's nothing else that we've done except cut, and that's kind of how we've gotten in this the state that we're in. Are there other states around us or um, somewhat similar that are have done things differently and are in a different position? Well, historically, there there have have been for sure. I mean, North Carolina did for a long time up until 2010. You know, it it did have. A progressive income tax um, that was higher than Kentucky's, and they used that to invest in education and infrastructure, and that helped create the strongest economy in the South. Um, they've done a lot to roll that back in the last decade, so they're no longer the example they once were. Um, but there are states in other parts of the country, like Minnesota, that have <clears throat> truly uh, invested, and if you compare Minnesota to Wisconsin, which is really more, in, in recent years, has taken more of the Kentucky route, uh, big cuts, big tax cuts, big budget cuts. Um, Minnesota's growing, and Wisconsin isn't. So I think there are some examples you can see out there, but there are even more so there are counterexamples, um, states that have um, done what Kentucky has done, cut and then see see themselves fall down the list of um, of states when it comes to the things that we care about: a strong economy, a good quality of life, um, and uh, and good communities. This is Mimi Pickering. I've been speaking with Jason Bailey, executive director of the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy. In 2018, KSEP released an economic agenda for a thriving Commonwealth a report that includes a series of recommendations for public policies the report says will build capacities, open up opportunities, and promote equity for all Kentuckians. 
I asked Jason to comment on the feasibility of making these changes. There are a number of things we can do that don't actually cost money, that actually save money. Um, if you look, for example, in the, in the area of criminal justice reform, which is a, a significant part of this agenda, Kentucky has among the highest rates of incarceration in the country. It's extremely expensive, not to mention what it does to people's lives. There are a lot of states that are making progress in reducing the number of people in prison. Uh, and it's not the states you would necessarily expect. I mean, it's even states like Mississippi, South Carolina that have enacted criminal justice reforms, reducing the sentencing on low-level nonviolent crimes, for example. Um, those sort of things would save a lot of money, free up a lot of money to, to reinvest in the things that do, do work, like education. Um, and would also just keep people from out of that stumbling block of a, a prison sentence, which we know keeps them from being able to get jobs uh, and, and vote in this state and, uh, and move on to better opportunities. So there are things like that. We, we are uh, the state that um, is dead last in the share of the elderly that we allow to live in their homes, in the communities. We um, put people in nursing homes, which is extremely expensive, uh, and is not what most people prefer. Um, we do it because the nursing home industry is a powerful lobby. We could save a lot of money and improve quality of life by um, doing what other states have done and moving more to community-based uh, care. That's the case with a lot of these things. Uh, if we focus more on the preventive side, put, focus more on public health, remove barriers to health coverage so people are getting primary and preventive care, we won't spend as much on the back end on incarceration and medication. Um, and so there are a lot of things like that that are in this agenda that don't necessarily cost money. Um, we also need money, and a big part of the plan is to um, clean up the tax code, which we have to do. We need to, um, we could generate a lot of money by asking those at the top to chip in, by closing loopholes, and we could pay for things like a reinvestment in education, two years of free um, community college to, uh, to every Kentuckian that wants it, and... Um, you know, a wide variety of other uh, investments that are the kind of things we've cut over the last decade. Could you talk a little bit about how much um, of our our money we give away, in a sense, with the, the tax breaks? There's a report every two years the state puts out called the Tax Expenditure Report that just adds up all the loopholes and exemptions and credits. And it is more money uh, that we give away in these various tax breaks than we actually collect in tax revenue. And we never revisit that side of the ledger. We never go back and close any of it or even question it. Um, it just goes in, some of it's been there for many decades. Um, there's a few things we probably would want to keep, like uh, the tax exemption on groceries or prescription drugs. But most of it is not that. You know, it's, it's, it's some kind of special interest has come in at some point in the past, like the banks did this year, and lobbied for what they wanted, and and gotten it, and uh, and so that's a huge opportunity to just say, you know, sunset these things every two years. Uh, if the legislature doesn't act to keep it in place, it goes away, um, and that way we can look more holistically at our budget, uh, the the revenue side as well as the spending side on a regular basis, as opposed to just taking these core services, education, health, infrastructure, and just cutting them over and over and over again.
You've been listening to Jason Bailey, Executive Director of the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy, an economic agenda for a thriving commonwealth, as well as other reports and updates on economic and fiscal issues facing Kentucky, can be found on the web at kypolicy.org. This and other stories about opportunities and challenges for diversifying Appalachia's economy and renewing our communities can be found at the Making Connections News website and podcast. Making Connections is brought to you by WMMT Mountain Community Radio. Find out more at makingconnectionsnews.org.